FASWA is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit saswhat.com. So, um... So yeah, I took a like a mid afternoon nap with Ramona. She was she was feeling tired too. So <laughs> <laughs> we both crashed. Yeah. Check out these um did you see these Bigfoot playing cards that I got? Oh no. From uh Ryan uh Ryan Drinkwater sent me these. They're oh. um Wow. They're po- I posted a picture. They're legit. Like they have. Um, Are they all different? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah wow. They're 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 pretty amazing, actually. Like the this is that's like the backs of them. That's <laughs> okay. Standard across the board, and then they have like yeah. The Joker card has a joke. Where would you find books about Bigfoot? In the large print section. Oh man! Naturally. <laughs> How does a Yeti get to work a bicycle? Wow. I don't even get that one. Yeah. I'm not, um, I, it's like, was I listening the right way to that? He's a shy guy. Bigfoot <laughs> likes to keep to himself. Maybe they're just writing random things. Yeah. If everyone was hunting you, you'd hide too. Bigfoot's not elusive. He's just reclusive. Yeah, these are. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, but let me show you some of these real quick. And for listeners, this is probably indicative of what this whole show is going to be like. I'm, <laughs> I'm not prepared. I just woke up from a nap and I'm showing things on an audio podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is Medi Howler. I don't know. Can you see these? Medi Howler. I'm... Yes. Okay. Uh, Bigfoot. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> uh, Ohio Grassman. Wait, he's not made of grass? I'm confused. No. no. Um, skunk Ape. Let's see what I mean. Like, the wow. artwork's pretty cool. Like, yes. For California Desert Sasquatch. Hmm. An Uku? U-C-U? Have you ever heard of this? No, I have not. I've never, I fail. never heard of it. All right, Texas Booger. My card naturally. has been revoked. Texas Booger, uh, oh yeah. Momo. <laughs> what the heck? I don't know. <laughs> Orang Pendek. <laughs> uh, huh. Sa- Sasquatch apparently different from Bigfoot. Yes. Got so it. those are Wow. Those are them. So um <clears throat> I'm like I'm tempted to start getting back into comic books. Oh. Because of this DC Rebirth stuff happening, hmm. I haven't haven't officially declared my myself a comic book junkie again. Guess what I started reading because of Hoopla. You ever do Hoopla? That's that. Uh, like it's your library card gets you onto this app and you can download stuff for free. No. Well, yeah, it's cool. That's how I listen to um, Batman Superman soundtrack too. Oh, really? Yeah. But I started reading Infinite Crisis that way. Ooh. Wow. I'm How just at the that? beginning. I don't know anything. Okay. I, okay. I'm totally 
You're going to be lost. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. See, I don't either. Like, it's weird. I've always kind of liked that. I th- I think it actually entices me to learn things about the the universe. Like, that's a lot. People have a big problem with that with DC Comics because they think the the universe is so bizarre. Um, this is Sasswhat, a show about Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined today by my pal, Mark Matsky. Hello there. I just saw Batman versus Superman like an yeah. hour ago. I was in the theater still. Yeah. So did you, have you processed it? Were you not not entirely, but okay. I, re- I liked it a whole lot. Okay. I really, truly did. In fact, I, it made me think more than I expected to. I mean, I know that some of yes. the themes that uh, they played around with in Man of Steel, mm-hmm. um, well, those were back in force. And so I was sitting there doing a lot of thinking during the movie, which was, was fine. It was a good thing, I guess. But I just, I like, I guess I just like how Zack Snyder does things. I know some people don't. Yeah. But I like his style. <clears throat> That's with me. I was, I was glad his, um, it was funny, I read somewhere online I might have it might have been the review I posted but it's almost like Snyder was like um oh you didn't like this about Man of Steel I'm gonna do it like 10 times <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and I like that like I, I don't think if if that's your thing like go for it mm-hmm. but it's weird because the movie has been annihilated something huge just fell off my ceiling and I'm pretty sure it was just a giant spider I don't know where. Oh, I just saw it like sail past my head. <laughs> now I'm terrified. It I might be a radioactive spider, so watch out. Yeah, it's it's always horrifying when things like this happen. Because, like, I didn't see it exactly. I just saw it. You know what I mean? Like, out of the corner of my <laughs> eye, this thing comes sailing down yeah. from the ceiling. I don't know what else that could have been other than a spider. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the... Um, I'm a I'm a big like we you and I have talked, but maybe listeners don't know. But like I'm a big comic fan, going way back, and I've read comics since I was a kid. So and DC especially is like my jam. Mm-hmm. So, um, but this one the trailers were so bad that I really my expectations were lowered. Despite the fact I'm a pretty ardent supporter of Man of Steel, like, I feel like Man of Steel was a great movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for, but the trailers for this were so bad. I think, I think some of the worst superhero trailers I've ever seen (laughs) just like appalling, like this, like weird, the most recent one was the perfect example started out fine and then became like a, a a early two thousands, like MTV music video or something like just really Mm -hmm. weird. But, um, I I really liked it. The weirdest thing for me was watching it and thinking of the fact that it was at less than thirty percent of Rotten Tomatoes while I was watching it because I was see to me it it was far and away a much better movie than like Avengers two, which I think is like a seventy some percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So for me, I'm like sitting there watching it, trying to think of what is it about this movie that people hate. To the point that it's at where it's listed at. Because the acting was pretty phenomenal. Like, I thought 
Affleck's probably the best Batman there's ever been. I think Henry Cavill really has like gotten comfortable in that role. Yeah. And and in the first movie, I thought he was a little stiff, but in this one, I thought he was really good. And then uh, Gal Gat Gat it Gado. How do you say her name? I don't know. In my own personal she... world, I say Gado. I think that's yeah. cool. Um, that's probably wrong. I thought she was. I thought she was amazing. Yeah, and I didn't know know going into it how she'd be, but I thought everyone was really good. Mm-hmm. I love Jesse Eisenberg. Um, so I don't know. I I love that they played up the Greek mythology aspects of it, and and there were some big themes going on yeah. too. I mean, it's definitely it definitely gets lost at times, um, and it could have been an easy half hour shorter. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I, I also I liked it though. I liked the fact that it took time to set some of that stuff up, and that's probably I don't know. Maybe that's why some people don't like it as much because it's not one action set piece after another. Which I yeah I like that. You know, it gives you some time to recover. Well, you know what I I think could have been cut out of it that if it had cut out of it probably wouldn't wouldn't have accomplished what they needed it to. But I felt like they could have easily cut out all the dream sequences. Oh yeah, and and the introduction of the Justice League scene, mm-hmm. where where Wonder Woman, the the other thing is that Lois Lane could have been entirely cut out of the movie, and it wouldn't have affected anything if you really think about it. Her, she she serves no purpose really to further the plot. She's like trying to track down. She tracks down that Luther was behind everything, but like by the time she does that, if I remember right, Batman and Superman have both already figured it out. So, I don't know. I just felt like that probably could have been cut right. out. But I'm like you. Like, that doesn't bother me either. The The length of the movie didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But I'm. You, what did you What did you like? I liked, well, I like all the sort of the philosophy of the movie, you know, trying mm-hmm. to figure out. It, it plays it so straight and brings it into the real world to the degree that, you know, you're thinking about public policy you know mm-hmm. regarding superheroes and stuff like that and i i really enjoyed that you know yeah. like should superman check with somebody before he goes and saves people or or what i found that pretty interesting and i i thought like like you said the actors are really really good in their roles other thing that i liked was the way that they revealed the justice league and like those mm-hmm. little files i thought that was pretty yeah. cool yeah and the new flash was kind of yeah the Flash was in it. Yeah. Like I was, I was surprised. Like, and and I'm, it's the most DC a movie has ever been. Like, there's never been a superhero movie that that was that was this DC, and you could almost feel Jeff Johns behind the scenes on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I know he's back there because he's their creative officer, but you just felt like there was a much more comic booky side to this movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was funny. I don't Andy, know. Andy saw it with me. He goes, That's what I wanted to ask. Is yeah. what Andy thought. He said, um, "Why is why is uh, Aquaman getting toys and stuff for this movie? Because <laughs> he's in just that you know brief right. reveal." But uh, right. no, he liked it a lot. He he was right. um, suitably impressed with the whole cool. thing. I think we may see that again in the theater before it goes. Because that's it's that's definitely worthy of seeing in the theater. Yeah. Did he did he catch the parademons and the Omega band? Yes, symbols? we were debating okay. the meaning of that 
on the way home. Yeah. I think that's who the, at the end of the movie, the movie ends with the, the lines about someone behind the scenes or whatever yeah. pulling the strings, and it's got the, it closes in on the that painting. Yeah. I think that's a reference. I think it's going to be Dark Side. I don't mm-hmm. know who else it would be. Right. Dark Seed, however you say it. Um, before we lose every listener <laughs> that is tuned into the Sasquatch podcast, um, uh, yeah, real quick, this is, I don't even know how long this episode will be. It's more of a catch-up episode for us. We've done four or five interview episodes in a row, so we haven't we haven't just sat down and recorded an episode in a while, and the plan is to do something, and, and I think we had originally talked about doing historical accounts during this episode i don't know if that's going to happen because we've got to get to some of this mail first okay so so hopefully you didn't spend a ton of time going over those reports no. or whatever all right i'll just sit on these hot arkansas files for as long <laughs> as it takes <laughs> it's actually it's the official name too here it says what the hot arkansas files um yeah we have letters we've been getting letters and we read mail Anyone who sends in mail, um, even if we don't read it on the air, because that happens sometimes, um, if you send us anything on Facebook or comment or anything, if we don't comment right away, it just means we we either you know didn't get to it or we read it and appreciated it. Because um, sometimes we just get nice things, which actually I think that's what this is. I'm going to read it anyway. Eric sent us an email that says... Uh, just wanted to compliment you guys for the last two episodes. The Lauren Coleman and Eric Altman shows were top-notch. I actually listened to both twice. I don't know if I've said this before, but your show is an excellent change of pace and almost always boosts my spirits going into a new week. The fun atmosphere, the whimsical attitude, and the sense of adventure just under the surface make it a great listen. Thanks again, Eric. So we do get we do get complimentary emails. It isn't always people making fun of how... You, Mark, live in your mother's basement, and <laughs> and how I have sagging bookshelves. Yes. You, uh, YouTube comments forced me to redecorate. I wish, <laughs> I wish we were still on YouTube, so everyone can yeah. see that I've really sort of masculinized my surroundings significantly. Yeah, he's got like a weight bench behind him now. I got, I got and uh, got creatine. rid of the doilies. <laughs> he's got he's got just shelves of creatine behind him. <laughs> Power bars. I'm mixing a shake right now. Yeah, yeah. And I actually lift weights while we do the show, <laughs> just to kind of intimidate people. But it's yeah, like like Mark said, it's sad no one watches the show anymore. So actually, I'm only intimidating Mark. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I say much less um, when he's lifting. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to. You don't want to push my buttons. <laughs> Might throw the microphone or something. Yep. Um. Let me see here. Uh, we got a letter. It says, Dear Seth and Mark, thanks so much for your show and your warm welcome through social media. This is a really long one. Actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I did read this. Um, let me see what I, if I can kind of pick in some of, some parts. Yeah. Well, out if it's drum. complimentary, read it all. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, sort of. I have to say that I enjoy Bigfoot and other cryptid stories so much, but not to the, the, the degree that I would say I'm part of the community of researchers. I know you, Seth, have stated multiple times that you primarily like to hear stories of encounters the most. That's me, too. I don't need to have an experience or sighting myself. Before I drone on any further, let me clarify I'm not even halfway through the Sasquatch catalog at the moment. 
I literally just started episode 31 as of this writing. I found the show after hearing Seth and Brandon promoting the Small Town Monsters film on another podcast and got majorly stoked. I'd like to hear what podcast you you heard about it on. I'm always curious about that. Like, do do listeners find us through other shows? Like, I don't know, Mark, if... And, and you might use this to segue because I know you wanted to talk about it a little bit. I think I told you... But but we actually talked a little bit about Saswat on the George Nori thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that is fascinating. So that, so that was cool. So they introduced <laughs> me as a film director and uh, the man who does a podcast called Saswat. So so Saswat got talked about a little bit on that show. So what can you talk about that experience? Did you have to like sign a non-disclosure thing? No, I didn't. I didn't sign anything. So for yeah, for listeners who don't know, I got flown out to Colorado um, for an all-expenses-paid weekend vacation. No, it was I got flown <laughs> out to Colorado to do a uh, TV show that it's not TV. I I don't know what to call it because like it's an internet show. It's like an internet subscription based show. I don't think it's on TV. Is it? Is Gaia? I don't think it's on. I don't know though. I shouldn't say. It's yeah, apparently so, streaming. No, okay, so it's, it's like a streaming it's, service yeah. similar to what they kept kept comparing it to was Netflix. That was what they kept comparing mm-hmm. it to to me. So they kept, compla- kept comparing it to that. I do know that they're pretty well known. I spoke to Jason Brubaker yesterday, who does a really good filmmaking podcast. I think it's called Filmmaker Stuff. He actually f- called me yesterday, which is another weird story. I've had some weird things happen lately. Uh, he called me, and we got to talking about it, and I mentioned that I was talking to them, and, and he knew of them. So they're mm-hmm. apparently out there enough that people are aware of them. And it turns out my wife has some of their yoga videos. So Yeah. Um, but he, what was I saying? Oh, I got flown out to be on the show that George Nori does called beyond belief, which is like, um, I, I, I haven't spent, I told George this, I haven't spent a ton of time with coast to coast. I don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of the coast to coast guy in our yeah. two person team. Yeah. Uh, and I am, but an I have cider. You should have told him. Yeah, I'm no, I actually, I that's how I referred to you. I never used your name. The insider. Um, I do a show. I do a show called Sasswell with the Insider. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but we it's a it's it's like coast to coast on t, on t, like a video version of coast mm-hmm. to coast. I guess is what you would say. But it's it it's also kind of like a an official kind of talk show. You know, it's it feels very official. They. They have a three or four camera setup. I think it's three camera. And I geeked out on that. And mm-hmm. I'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, I, I got flown out to Boulder, Colorado, which is right at the base of the Rocky Mountains. I'd never been to the Rocky Mountains. Um, it's at the, ba- the base of the Flatirons, actually, which is like the foothills of the Rockies, which for us, if we were in Ohio and these foothills were here, we would call them like the biggest mountains in the world or mm-hmm. something because... It's really bizarre. Have you been out there? Yeah. Yeah, I've been to okay. Denver once. Really? Yeah. So it's you have to agree it's the weirdest thing ever because the Great Plains start there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the start of the Great Plains. And all of a sudden, there's just these mountains. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's flat as can be, and then boom, mountains. So I'd never experienced that kind of terrain before either. Um, so that was pretty amazing. 
But uh, the show itself was was real cool. Like I when I got there, uh, first I had to have makeup done uh, to the studio. I'm talking about not into Boulder. That was a whole different thing. <laughs> um, I got into the studio and there was a, like a professional makeup lady put eyeshadow and all this crap on me. Wow. And um, it turned out she was really interesting in herself because she used to do makeup for CNN and Fox News. So this lady was on like a first name basis with like Bob and Elizabeth Dole. And, um, wow. Yeah. Like all these like politicians and stuff. And, um, so that was pretty cool. I talked to her for a while and then I, I went in and I actually watched how they make the show and I sat with, uh, Tom Danheiser, who's the producer. producer, Yeah. Yeah. Of C2C. Um, so, so him and I sat together for a while and talked and, um, and I have to say this whole thing, like the whole show came about because of Clint who, who was the narrator on Clint, I guess, is something of a name in in the producing radio producing world because mm-hmm. Tom was very impressed with Clint selling him on me is what he told me. Okay, <laughs> he's like Clint. He's like Clint really had to sell me on you because he'd never heard of me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so he had no idea who I was. But Clint kind of got me on the show. So anyway, the interview itself was real cool. It was it was um, extremely like formal you know which usually i can kind of clam up in those but the only thing about it that i was disappointed afterward is i felt like i was trying a little too hard to be on you know because like once the cameras are on you you you've got like these cameras and lights and like there's people in a control room watching you talk and i just felt like i had to be on which you know for me like part of our thing on Sasswat is like just conversation like we're just Mm -hmm. talking and um, that's kind of how I try to keep it even when I'm doing interviews. It's just like I'm just chatting with someone. And I felt like this might have been a little too much like me doing a Q&A type thing. But um, it was cool because I guess George has been in broadcast or journalism or whatever since like I was a baby. Like the guy's been doing mm-hmm. it since yeah. for like 30 years or something. Yeah, I mean, And in like hard news too, not just the paranormal world. Right. Right, and that was, I can see how that would be, because he's, like, really easy to talk to. He'll ask you a question, but he gets you, you know, like, he's he's got a good way of keeping you talking. Um, and there's, you know, he doesn't, there's never a gap or anything where you feel like you screwed up. And mm-hmm. he's just, he's just, he's a really easy interview once I got into it. It was just, that, that scenario I'd never been in. I'd never had, like, four cameras. I mean, I've been on local news twice, but, like, I'd never been in a studio kind of setting where they're they're literally editing the show while you're recording it which is really fascinating to watch mm-hmm. um so anyway i i guess that's what did was there anything particular oh, i don't know i just wanted your you know sort of your overall impressions yeah. of the man because you hear him he was he was he was really funny yeah really. i would say that like he, he's got a really kind of funny like dry sense of humor mm-hmm. um there is there is one point during the show where he wanted to he wanted to re-record one of the lines like like i think it was my fault i think at, at one point i had like i started coughing or something and we had a cut and he's like i'm going to re-record my question or whatever mm-hmm. and um he looked at me and was like uh never interrupt me again <laughs> 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 you know, but then he like smiled and winked. At yeah. first, I thought he was dead serious, right. but the guy is like, he is deadpan as can be, but he's really funny. Like he he did that a couple times. Like that's sort of like his his comedy is really yeah. 
really deadpan. Really funny. That's though. awesome because that doesn't really come through on the show too much. I mean, he comes through as pretty warm and accepting of people, but the the funny side, I think he must come that keeps under wraps. Somehow. I would say that that crew, I you know, all I met was Tom and him that worked yeah. on C two C. Everyone else that was there, and they were all awesome. But everyone with Gaia and everything was amazing. But the um, I would say that the guy that him and Tom probably have to have they have to have amazing sense of humor yeah because of the stuff that they deal with right um and i was picking up on that just sitting in the control room with tom while george was interviewing mm-hmm. the other guys like he's just they're all sitting there and during the interview they're just you know cracking jokes and stuff not about the people that are being interviewed it's like there's a constant like flow of conversation going mm-hmm. on and it's it's all referencing things that have happened like years of broadcast that these guys have done together right yeah so um so yeah i thought he was a really really nice guy though which i didn't know what to expect because like i'm not like you i've i've literally never heard him interview someone either yeah so that was a whole new experience i've listened to hundreds of hours of him i mean maybe even into like a thousand plus hours and you kind of get to know at least his radio persona after a while and uh, yeah you know i think one of the keys to his success on coast to coast is that he really tells people kind of what he thinks if you know what i mean he lets them talk right. i think you experienced a little bit of that where he yes. he very rarely makes a value judgment about a story that somebody's telling him and Right, and he didn't he didn't do that with me, but what he did go do was go off on a we went down a rabbit trail. I mean the interview was supposed to be about small town monsters and it turned into the last ten minutes, maybe longer, talking about like kind of the Bigfoot community, which I didn't expect. Uh, but fits perfectly into what we do with Sasswhat. Um so we talked about hoaxers for a while. Um, in fact, they were playing videos for me and oh. then asking what I thought of them, which you know how I think of videos. Like, yeah. I have no opinion typically on videos. So they would play a video and be like, what did you think of that? And I'd be like, I see nothing. Like, I don't I don't know what we're even supposed to yeah. be judging here. And then, like, but it turned into a, there's a very famous man that was involved in a certain Bigfoot freezer hoax that apparently Nori has had some run-ins mm. with. So that came up a couple times actually during the interview which I didn't expect but it became very sass woody towards mm-hmm. the end so I was like if Mark was here this would have been perfect so um, but yeah I, I, I thought it was a fun a lot of fun actually a lot of fun. we talked about all aspects of the filmmaking mm-hmm. stuff too so it was like I mean it wasn't just about it was a lot about the cases but it was also a little bit about the you know, the filmmaking. Awesome. Did so, you get a mug or and then, anything? <laughs> no, I got nothing. I didn't get a... The, a the only thing that happened... Not even a sticker? The only thing that happened that was funny is that while I was on the show, my driver flipped out because um, I guess they were making my driver... Because they added someone else to the lineup for interviews, so my interview got pushed back by about 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And my driver apparently had some anger management issues and was screaming at someone. Whoa. Um, outside at some point so that was kind of funny uh but i didn't get to hear it unfold so those um, drivers man you know right and then i i did have um i'm not going to tell the story and 
and uh, I won't ever tell the story because I refuse to become the ghost guy. But I had a really, really weird incident happened one while I was asleep in this hotel, and this is like the <laughs> the historic hotel in Boulder, Colorado. It's called the Boulderado, and the hotel is supposed to be haunted, which I didn't know until after what happened to me happened. So it's a really weird hotel. I loved it. I would definitely want to stay there again. Very upscale, very classy. Like, not the type of place I'm used to staying. <laughs> I'm used to staying at, like, the Motel 6, you know? Come <laughs> right. on. There's three restaurants in this hotel I stayed wow. in. Wow. So, so um, maybe, but yeah. Maybe our Halloween episode, you can tell the story. Yeah, we'll go back. No, you and I, well, I'm not telling the story, <laughs> but you and I will go out there and see if we, we can have our own experience. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was... It was a it was a great trip. It was a lot of that fun. That was really cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So George, uh, the this this email from S George Lee, S George Steve Steve, I think is what he goes by. Uh, just kind of continuing. Really hoping to make it to New York premiere of Beast of Whitehall. I live three point five five hours away from Whitehall, and I'm trying to arrange it. It's rather up in the air. Um, I do so love the Adirondacks monsters and my Jeep, though. And what sweeter combination is there? None, I submit to you. None at all. Um, and he does podcasts, actually. S. George Lee. He does a podcast called the Audio Lair Podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, check out Audio Lair, which I'm, I'm assuming they're on iTunes and all that stuff. So, yeah, for listeners, if you're in New York, because we do have listeners that are in the New York region, we're going to be in New York, not Mark, I wish. Um, but we're going to be in Whitehall next weekend, actually, April 2nd for the premiere of the movie in Whitehall. So come on out. Let's see, we got another one. Oh, you're going to like this one. Book recommendations. Have We, we haven't done this on the show yet. No, we haven't. We haven't. Are you prepared at all for this? Um... I, you, there was a look on your face that was somewhere between like manic glee and absolute panic. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we can throw a short list together, probably. With all right, difficulty. All right let's, let's go through. But here there real was quick. somebody wanted a written one too. That's I, that's that's probably the look of terror. Was uh, okay. I don't have my homework done. Look. So. We'll go through here real quick and, and see what we can do. Uh, first off, great episode with Lauren Coleman. Very cool to hear from one of the legends of cryptozoology. Also, by the way, that that was uh, an amazing episode. For people who didn't listen, um, I said it on Facebook the other day. I feel like the last bunch of episodes we've done, like the interview episodes, have been some of my favorite episodes to record that we've mm-hmm. we've done. So the Lauren Coleman is probably one of the top for yeah. me because it was getting to talk to Lauren was pretty awesome. For Absolutely. Us. I mean, anyone who listened to the episode, I pretty much spilled my guts to him at the end of that. And it was all mm-hmm. sincere. I mean, it was, you know, growing up reading his books, I would never have uh, anticipated actually getting to spend an hour talking to him and, you know, having him sound, you know, re- relatively interested and engaged in the conversation too i I think he really did enjoy himself um so that was uh, a pretty special moment absolutely yeah we've had we've had a lot of people on lately it's it's, and i said i think it started with shannon is is that right it was like shannon gene st gene now now i'm doing this i'm gonna forget someone to leave them out but it was like shannon gene st gene eric altman 
um, Lauren, David, mm-hmm. and Brian. And um, I had a surprise with like every one of those shows because Eric Altman especially surprised me because it the the animal that the stories he told those two stories he told about the animal mutilations was mind blowing to me. Like the mm-hmm. the the one about the deer especially I thought was really fascinating. In fact I've recounted that story to a couple of people because it was it was his description of an of a, of the deer having its head obviously bashed in by something that really but can do that. You know, like I mean, the only thing I can come up with is that the deer was already dead, and someone came, some human came along, and then just smashed the brains of the animal. Mm-hmm. And that's the only other explanation yeah. I can come up with, unless this thing me, ran headfirst into a tree <laughs> a couple times. That's scarier than having a Bigfoot in your woods to me. Is that yeah. someone would come along and do such a thing? Right. But yeah, you're right. That's such but, um, a well-documented case and photographs, like right on the mm-hmm. scene. I forwarded you the email he yeah. sent too, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Eric, I never responded to Eric's email and I think he listens to the show. So Eric, if you're listening, I did read it and I I read everything and I sent it to to Mark and we both looked over everything you sent us. So really fascinating stuff. But yeah, like every one of these episodes has been surprising and like um like Lauren's interview went the 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 great thing about Lauren's up, uh, uh, interview is that it's the first time you and I have done an interview where we were almost scrambling over each other. <laughs> To ask questions yeah. like I'd ask a question and then you immediately had a question ready after yeah. me and and that was the first time we've done an interview that I think was that um, Q&A kind of and I, I don't think it felt you know static or anything but it was very like we had a questions ready and we were, yeah. <laughs> we were going after him. Yeah um, I know I had specific questions ready to go right. for him. And I'm still checking for that spike. <laughs> paranoid if i see it lowering um, itself down i will definitely oh let you know yeah um but yeah and david's episode was a lot of fun the the swamp monster episode and jeans so i don't know if we talked about it i think i might have mentioned it in the show gene was on but like we had recorded this um episode with mark and i and the creature replica guys um and I forgot to hit record. We literally, <laughs> we literally recorded the whole episode without me ever hitting record. And so, and it was Gene good. Was kind I of mean, enough. it was like it was a great, the best yeah. lost episode ever. Yeah, it's fantastic. We had a wonderful conversation that no one will ever hear <laughs> um, for an hour or whatever. And it was Jeff and Gene, and we just talked about creature replica. And then I had Gene back on, and it completely went the opposite direction. It wasn't anything like the episode hmm. that we recorded. It was like. Him and I just kind of talking about Bigfoot stuff for a while, and then kind of segueing into into the creature replica stuff. And I think it was a, it was one of the most fun episodes I've had where you weren't around because it was just like not that might have sounded wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I meant like in terms of episodes where it's just me, like that yeah. was one of the funnest times I've had um, because you were gone. No, uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> no, Free but it was. Yeah, no, it was a good one. And then um, last week, I thought Brian Brown's episode that the episode that I did with Brian was the best talk I've ever had with Brian. Like, oh, like just it just felt like a, a totally free flowing conversation. And I really like the fact that Brian uh, is pretty open about like how he feels about X and like going in there and all that stuff. So 
Uh, this wasn't to toot our own horn. It's just to say that for people that listen to the show, if you think we're not geeking out about these conversations behind the scenes, we totally are. Like any any time, especially yeah. the you know, like getting to talk about Lauren stuff. We'll text Mark and I will text each other throughout the day, like just <laughs> about about the stuff going into it. So yeah. we're total nerds about all the same stuff that everyone else is. Like we nerd out when we get to talk to people that come on the show. Yeah, we have um, to actively work to suppress the geek out factor. That was really hard, like with Lauren for for sure. And well, yeah, was, Lauren, Lauren or Lyle, I kind of am like that. You know, like yeah. just because they're so you've read it, it's like talking to a celebrity in a way because like you've spent so much time kind of devouring their work. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like with Lauren, you have about. 10 seconds to prove that you're not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, I will say that is a hundred percent true. Cause like, and if you don't do that, he will, he will let you know right. that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. No, I mean, he's- it is. I kind of, I kind of, uh, I really appreciate actually that, that kind of approach that he has to things. Um, and I can say that in person, it's even more imitating. I spent, spent like two days with down a falcon it's intimidating you have a conversation with him and you just your goal is to let him know hey i'm not a complete neanderthal yeah <laughs> precisely so and at the same all right time, um, i mean he is what he said at the end of the episode about encouraging the next generation is absolutely true i mean you see him interact with kids and it's yeah. just a different story completely i mean he's right. the he's the dad he's the educator just pulls kids in and well, even me, like yeah. he said, he said some of the nicest things to me about our movies that anyone has said. Period. Like attached, like family, friends, any anyone. Some of the nicest compliments that I've I've received came from Lauren Coleman, which is pretty unbelievable. Even on the show that he was on, like he started talking about it. Yeah, um, it's pretty crazy. But all right, first off, uh, this is from Zach. By the way, first off, great episode with Lauren Coleman. Very cool to hear from one of the legends of cryptozoology. Also, to finally get his take on the Minnesota Iceman, one of my favorite stories in cryptozoology, and something I feel Coleman has been vague about where he stood on it. What I took from your interview is that Coleman believes the original Iceman was genuine, but was switched out for the fake he now has at the museum. I can't speak for the original Iceman, but as someone who got a chance to see the new Iceman a couple of years ago in Texas, it looked pretty fake to me. As with all the best mysteries, I guess we'll never really know. Anyway, I'm looking to expand my cryptozoology library and was wondering if you had any insight on these books. Oh, this is easy. Bigfoot, Yeti, and the Last Neanderthal, a geneticist search for modern ape men. Have you read this? I have not. Do you know what it is? Is it the Sykes book? Is It It sounds like the Sykes book. Hold on, I'm, I'm opening right now just to... I think that is what they changed the name of the Sykes mm-hmm. book to. Because originally it was supposed to be, uh, yeah, this is the Sykes book. So I've just never gotten into Sykes. I can't explain it. Just I like the TV show. Mm-hmm. I like the show he did. Um, but I, oh, so this is a second book. Did you know he did? I had no idea. He did two books. This can't be right. Because there's another Sykes book on here. Nature of the Beast, the first scientific mm. evidence on the survival of ape men in the modern times. And this 
was just published. This book, the Bigfoot Yeti book, was just published. Geneticist search. All right, we're going to have to... Now I kind of want to read this. Because I, I don't know... Uh, this seems like it might be more of a um, personal kind of look at the subject. Whereas mm. the other one was more of a paper, yeah. like a scientific paper publishing, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Well, that'd be interesting then. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the Making of Bigfoot, The Inside Story. We've both read this. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, I did not care for this book. I know a lot of people do. The most, uh, My favorite thing about the book was the cover, which, if I'm not mistaken, the, the copy I read. Yeah, this is the Greg Long book. Yes, we've both read this. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not care for this book, but um, it was more... Of my, if I remember correctly, you and I have talked about this on the show. If I m- remember correctly, this is the one where the guy spends a lot of time kind of pondering that the reason for the entire phenomenon is our desire to go back to the wild. Isn't that like a thing that comes um, up in this a lot? You know what? I you may be confusing that with another book because the cover okay. you're thinking of the one the cover it's like two bigfoot the feet. feet. Yeah, that's yes. Joshua Blue Buse. Yes. Okay. And the book yeah. that the Greg Long book is like a total debunking of the Patterson Gimlin. Patterson Gimlin. Yeah. Film. Okay. I have not read this then, but Mark has. Yeah. He, like tracked down Bob Hieronymus and. Okay. Well, speak basically, about a, this, then. it's basically a, like a character assassination of Patterson and Gimlin. Oh, I got to read it. You should read it. You really should. Um, I don't think you'll like it after you've read it, especially okay. having met Bob Gimlin. But yeah, um, it, it's pretty much he's you know trotting out everybody who's ever claimed to have a, a gorilla suit in their trunk and say, you know, Gimlin and Patterson were faking. Now, having mm-hmm. said that, it does bring up some salient questions about the timing of the film and how it was sent and developed and those are questions that will never probably be properly answered ever right but he it's it seems and comes across as pretty mean spirited um, hmm. especially towards patterson who isn't around to defend himself defend himself right my my problem my problem with patterson giving the film and we've we've talked about this, but like my biggest issue with Patterson Gimlin film is the the fact that the the female creature in the film resembles the sketch or the the illustration that's in Patterson's book so closely. That that to me is almost a smoking gun. I I'm not saying that I think the Patterson creature isn't real, um, and we we've barely approach this subject on the show i feel like i don't know that we've really discussed we need to get bill munns on i wonder if munns does interviews i don't Do you know think he does he might someone reach out to munns and tell him he needs to come on sass what i mean um, he has a book to promote i would right. imagine so i right. don't know Wait. i'd love let's, to talk to him yeah let's try to do that because um this is something i was just i can't even remember i was just talking about this with some oh i know i went out to dinner with a couple of filmmaker guys and somehow the subject swung around to the Patterson-Gimlin film because that's their only real knowledge of Bigfoot mm-hmm. is watching this film a couple times. And they both had, you know, they, they actually had kind of this laughing kind of response when I said I didn't know if it was fake or not. Mm-hmm. And they were like, really? Because it's like obviously a guy in a suit. And I'm like, 
Like I'm like you guys when I f- first see it. That's my initial reaction. So for years, that was my initial reaction. You see it. That's a guy in a suit. And then you see what a guy in a suit looks like. It doesn't look anything like right. this. Right. And um, and I think Brian said something to that effect last mm-hmm. week too. But it, I would like to get Muns on the show to talk a little bit about it because I, I feel like we we've never really talked about right. Patterson Gimlin film on this show. And he nobody can break that film down like he can and has. Mm-hmm. It's pretty remarkable but what you said is true and the thing about that sketch is that patterson that sketch didn't he yes i think that's his sketch that's a problem it is a problem it's a real problem it's a conundrum yeah um because because i mean i guess it's a 50 50 chance if you're going to see a bigfoot it's either either going to be a male or female but you know the anatomy so closely resembles that now what was that sketch based on though was it based on someone's account of a creature, or is probably, it probably or a composite, or is it just his own? Yeah, like could be his imagination. I don't know. I I'd be curious to learn that because if it's just a a picture that he drew of what he thinks a bigfoot l- would look like, and then he sees a bigfoot that happens to look exactly like what he had envisioned, that that is an even bigger problem. But if he is basing that sketch off of a description. I mean, why would, you know, I mean, if that's what it actually looks like, it makes sense that that would follow Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's what we'd see. Um, The other book he asked about is David Daigling's Bigfoot Exposed, an Anthropologist Examines America's Enduring Legend. Yeah. Never read it. We've talked about it on this show. Yes, I think Um, we have. He's one of the, you know, one of the sociologists who, you know, at the, throughout the book and especially at the end, comes to a, somewhat of a conclusion that you know, there's no way that Bigfoot could be biologically real. However, people keep seeing these things and it's some type of psychological construction. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, nah. is not satisfying to me. It's yeah. a nice academic conclusion to reach, right. but doesn't explain anything really at all. I, that's the way I've always felt like, and we've talked that about that, is I, I don't like the whole, I don't like the theory in general that what people are seeing is our mind's desire to return to caveman status. Like, I mean, to be blunt, I think that's retarded. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. All right, so uh, moving on, we got a letter from Dave Gibson. Dave, Dave actually sent this letter in for, for Lauren Coleman, um, and you might know this, though. We didn't ask the question on the show because we didn't get to the Lauren Coleman questions, but you might be able to answer this. My first cryptozoological encounter wasn't with Sasquatch, but Lake Champlain's champ, thought to be a pod of plesiosaurus, much like Loch Ness's Nessie. Does Lauren's Museum have any exhibits concerning Champ or British Columbia's Ogopogo, Legends of Lake Monsters, or at least as old as Sasquatch, and perhaps better known? Do you do you know that? Oh, I don't know for sure, but I'm almost positive that he has something on Lake Monsters. I mean, he's he's written at least, well, he's written one, hmm. you know, book about them completely. But I don't right. know what the, our actual artifacts would be beyond right. some... Pop culture stuff. 
Um, he went on a suggestion for you. This is for us. Um, or I guess this might be for me. This might be a good topic for a future small town monster documentary. There's strong evidence of such a creature from sightings to a photograph by Sandra Mancy to this YouTube video. Um, he writes, uh, this is all from Dave Gibson, by the way. And Dave is in Beast of Whitehall. He's one of the witnesses in Beast of Whitehall. Him and his wife, uh, Pam, claim to have seen creatures around their house. So, um... But Dave also does a blog, um, trawlerdriftaway.blogspot.com. So visit that, and he writes about the lake monster of Lake Champlain. Um, And obviously he heard me say on the Lauren Coleman show that I'm definitely interested in broaching the subject of Champ someday. I would love to do small town Mm -hmm. monsters about Champ. Because I love upstate New York now. That's like my my dream place. I just think about it all the time. Uh, Champ sightings go back to Samuel de de Champlain and even earlier among Native Americans might make a good film, especially if it takes in Port Henry's Champ celebration in August. Um, And Dave wrote a book, by the way, and uh, it's called Living with Sasquatch. And then it's it's a primer to to living with Sasquatch. And I have a copy of the book sent from, from Dave. Yeah. Dave sent Whoa. it to me. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and Dave, your copies of Beast of Whitehall are going out soon if they did not already. You might already got them. So um, Is that widely available, the uh, Living Dave, with Sasquatch? It is available on Amazon. Uh-huh. So Dave's, if, if you've seen Beast of Whitehall, which some of, some of our listeners might have, there's Dave and Pam own property about 50-some miles as the crow flies outside of uh, Whitehall, in the, deep in the Adirondacks. And they uh, have had a lot of very unusual activity on their property. So I think the book kind of details that. So um, let me see here. We got a, we, we got a, This letter goes all the way back to February. So we might have answered some of this. Um Oh, well, let's let's do this real quick because we have a little bit of time. Russell Wilson wrote, uh, absolutely enjoy the podcast. As someone that listens to the show in the United Kingdom, a couple of questions and some ideas for future topics. First question, what did you and Mark make of Bigfoot Captured documentary? I found it very interesting from the view of a what-if scenario. Did you watch that? I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't remember it if I did. Yeah, it's the one where they like capture Bigfoot in a cage. Um, it's like a, it's not a documentary. It's a it's basically a you know like kind of like that cryptid show that I talked about liking mm-hmm. recently. It's kind of like that. I didn't watch it. I watched actually. I did watch it. I watched it while I was on a stationary bike, and then instantly forgot it. So, <laughs> um, I did. I don't think I liked it. Otherwise, I would remember something about it. Second question, as Mark is a reverend, if Bigfoot is discovered to be a missing link, um, I can't read any further because as I'm reading this off my phone, Bill Brian is calling me. Um, so let me, <laughs> there we go. Okay. Um, if Bigfoot is discovered to, I'll have to call Bill back. If Bigfoot is discovered to be a missing link between ape and man, how will the religious community react? Not to put you on the spot. Well, yeah. Um, I think, like any community, there is no uh, one response that you would get. Right. I mean, you would have elements 
from some religious groups, I think, that would move to embrace it. You'd have others who would move to reject it or explain it away. Um, probably many other groups would sort of take the head-in-the-sand approach and just act like it didn't happen. Um, there, You know, th there is no monolithic religious response to anything, and uh, so it just depends on the on what branch you're talking about. Right. Um, the couple of ideas for shows are what do you make of Lauren Coleman, Mark A. Hall, theory of two types of ape, as mentioned in their book, True Giants. I've always scoffed at the idea of multiple species, but listening to Lauren talk about it, and especially seeing some of the sketches of the, um, I haven't seen cast, but some of the sketches of the, the tracks that seem to be much more, uh, what is it like ape -like or chimp like chimp -like, um, right orangutan or mm -hmm. whatever um very intriguing so i'm not saying i'm 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 definitely not in the there's five types of bigfoot <laughs> uh you know there's the type a type b this type is extremely violent i don't really go in for that stuff i think that's a nice way of that's a nice marketing ploy is what i think that is <laughs> um what do you make of the recent Bigfoot films? He's he's just given us kind of ideas for for shows. Right? We, didn't we do a show about Bigfoot movies? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so all we've, it was we've, about really is right. We've broached that with. Uh, he did ask about specific ones. Exists Willow Creek, Lost Coast tapes, Abominable Throwback, <laughs> and the Bigfoot tapes. I've seen exists and Willow Creek out of that entire list. Mm -hmm. Um, and I. I don't love either of those movies. I, I like things about both of them, but I did not love either of those movies. Uh, finally, relating the last point, if you were to make a Bigfoot fiction film in the vein of the above, how much of the creature would you show and where would you see it and what type of film, either found footage or straightforward story? Um, I don't think I do a, I don't think I do a, a found footage Bigfoot film. Um, they're easy to do though. People, you know, that's the easy, that's kind of as a low budget filmmaker that when I've thought about doing fiction film, I'm just going to say that there, there, there's, we're already kind of working on a fiction film. So I don't know that it'll ever come out or that we'll ever be able to do it. But, um, what, I, what I want to do is make a fiction film that revolves around a certain case that I'm already connected to that I may have already focused on. <laughs> in a small time mm. monster movie because um, I, I I love the subject of Bigfoot and I've never seen it approached in the way I would like to see it approached and I'm I'm always inspired by like things like uh, 80s Steven Spielberg movies because I grew up on 80s Steven Spielberg movies I've never seen that kind of approach taken to a Bigfoot movie other than maybe Harry and the Hendersons but it's so kind of goofy that it, it isn't quite what I envision mm -hmm. So, um, I would do, you know, I don't know what Mark would do because I think Mark could direct a pretty cool movie too, <laughs> but, um, well, I think but, if the legend of Boggy Creek has taught us anything, it's that less is more when it comes right. to Bigfoot. Yeah, definitely. And I'm in the same, I'm in that same boat. I just told another filmmaker who's making a, a movie about Bigfoot. I said, don't show it. <laughs> it's like, go the Jaws route. It's. Yeah, it's creepier, and you're never going to pull off with makeup what needs to be pulled off to really make that effective, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So that was from Russell. Great, 
Great email. Great emails all around. We need to be wrapping up, actually. So we have a couple other emails here that we're going to have to get to at some point. But yeah, we had a really intriguing Twitter question, too. Did we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and in any, if you want to follow us or send questions there, it's at Sasswhat Show. Um, I don't, I'll just bring the question up because I want to study this. But the, the basic gist of it was are there Bigfoot sightings from the Civil War period specifically? The idea being that people were out in the woods and, you know, out in nature, um, you know, for the most part to fight. Uh, but was there any spike in reports or anything of that nature? And that's a that's a very intriguing question. I have no clue about, you know, if if that's true or not. I mean, I well, I haven't heard any. I happen I to know of uh, two two people who owned a Civil War bookstore for twenty five years, Ronnie and Linda Breedla. Oh yeah. So and and I grew up around Civil War shows and, and conferences and listened to Civil War speakers for most of my life, even though I didn't have an interest in the subject after a certain point. Um, I've never heard those stories, ever. Uh, but that's not to say they aren't out there. It's just I in, in what I'm, you know, my familiarity with the subject was just pretty substantial compared to, you know, most people my age who mm-hmm. probably don't have as much of an interest in it. I just grew up around the stuff. So. Right. And you would what he asked, and the way he asked it makes a lot of sense. You're talking about guys running through the woods, you know, and the the kind of warfare that was taking place waged in the forests. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make sense. It would also make sense that no one would see them because there's going to be men all over the place with guns, firing guns. And exactly. The creatures are probably going to run in the opposite direction. You would you would think. Right. Um. So either way, kind of makes sense. And um, but it is. It is intriguing to think that if there aren't stories, why would be? You know, is it mm-hmm. just that they were scared away, or with all these people running around out there, you would think there would be at least a couple sightings. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to ask my dad about that if he if he knows of any like legends or any of that. My mom as well. My mom's kind of the the Civil War guru of mm-hmm. the family. Yeah, which people don't know, but good question, great question. We'll look into it. Um. Anything else we need to address on the show? I don't know. I think we covered the waterfront today. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll get back to kind of a standard, some sort of formatted show next week. <laughs> um, and then um, we'll have to figure out something for next week. I might have to have you post the show because I'll be gone. Uh, I leave right. on Thursday. Yeah. So we, we have to figure out a day to record, too. If no show pops up in your timeline next week, don't be don't be surprised. Apologies if that happens. But we'll try to we'll try to get something recorded before I leave. So all right. Uh final words, Mark. Final words. Just on life. Just on About life. About life. Well, um it, did you see we sold our house? Yeah. That was Yeah, huge. I did. Just yes. before we came on, yeah. Yes. So Congratulations. Yeah. I give you a hug through the through the monitor. Thanks, man. That's good. Thank you. (laughs) That's a hug. So that's big. Um, You know, I think the thing, one of the things we'll really miss about our old environment is we were no more than 40 minutes to uh, Salt Fork State Park. Right. So I guess now we're just going to have to um, learn the intricacies of CVNP. It is. Make it our new stomping grounds. 
Yeah, it's completely different. So many, so many entrances and different areas to explore. Um, we're gonna need to do an inside CVNP episode soon. Then let's do it. Um, when I get back from Whitehall, we should go. We should get Andy and, and oh, Brandon yeah. go up there and do a live episode from inside the awesome. park. Awesome. Yes. So. All right. Uh, we'll be back at some point. <laughs>